Welcome. The following presentation from Answers in CME is part of an educational activity titled More Than Scratching the Surface, Optimizing Novel Jack Inhibitors for Improved Outcomes in Moderate to Severe Atopic Dermatitis. To access the full program and supporting materials, please visit the activity URL in the episode description. This activity is supported by an educational grant from AbbVie. Hello, I'm Peter Leo. I'm a clinical assistant professor of dermatology and pediatrics at Northwestern University in Chicago, Illinois. And today we're going to be talking about optimizing novel JAK inhibitors for our patients with moderate to severe atopic dermatitis. And this is such an important topic because we know so many patients, particularly those with moderate to severe disease, really have a tremendous amount of morbidity, a lot of suffering. And our goal, of course, as clinicians is to get them to the best possible place we can get them in terms of disease symptoms and signs and really having an impact on quality of life. We know that there are a number of different approved topical treatments for atopic dermatitis, and this would include things like our topical corticosteroids, our calcineurin inhibitors, and of course, fairly recently, our phosphodiesterase 4 inhibitor. One of the newer agents topically has been a topical JAK inhibitor that is indicated for mild to moderate atopic dermatitis patients. But really, when we're talking about our more moderate sphere patients, we have generally tried these things, and they either have not been adequate or there are practical issues. And that's really where we get into our systemic approaches. We have a couple of biologic agents that are now FDA approved in the United States, dupilumab and tralokinumab. And these work on IL-4 and IL-13 for dupilumab and IL-13 specifically a cytokine binder with tralokinumab. We also can go inside the cell and get to that next step in terms of this cascade of messaging. And that's where our JAK inhibitors come about. And we have two in the U.S. right now, abracitinib, and upadacitinib, both of which are indicated for moderate to severe atopic dermatitis that has been refractory and in particular that has failed treatment with systemic agents or for those patients where those systemic treatments are not indicated. The biggest issue is that we know there are important risks and benefits to all therapies and in particular our systemic ones with dupilumab and tralokinumab. We know they're highly effective, they are targeted, Still, they're injectable, and so some patients may not want to use an injection. They may not treat all immunophenotypes of atopic dermatitis, and there are some adverse events that are important, including the conjunctivitis and some of the other ocular events, facial erythema, infections, and arthralgia. More recently, we have the addition of abracitinib and upadacitinib, our systemic JAK inhibitors. Now, these, again, have risks and benefits. Their benefits include that they are small molecules, and they're able to be presented in an oral tablet format. They have a very rapid response in their ability to decrease the severity of atopic dermatitis and itch. However, on the flip side, we also know that there are some concerns about adverse events with these medications, like an increased risk of infection, the potential for an increased risk for malignancy, major adverse cardiovascular events, and even things like thrombosis. But with a shared decision-making process, I truly believe that we can find patients for whom the benefits greatly outweigh the potential risks And already in my own practice, I've seen a tremendous effect of all of these medications. So that gives us kind of a broad overview of the landscape. But next, I want to really dive into the efficacy for these novel JAK inhibitors in our patients with moderate to severe atopic dermatitis. So now I want to really dive into the efficacy for these novel JAK inhibitors in our patients with moderate to severe atopic dermatitis. We have some really nice studies that have been shown. And first, I'd like to call attention to the study about the efficacy of upadacitinib in patients with moderate to severe atopic dermatitis. Now, this includes adolescent patients as well, 12 years and up. 
And this is an enriched group of patients who had, by definition, an inadequate response to topical steroids. Here we can see that almost 50% of patients on the lower dose and more than 60% of patients on the higher dose in Measure Up 1 in very similar data in Measure Up 2 shows that we are able to get patients to a clear or almost clear state with, I think, very robust efficacy. When we look more importantly at the 52-week extension study, because I think getting patients clear is key, but keeping them clear is even harder and arguably more important, we can see a relatively flat line that patients are actually able to maintain that improvement out to week 52. And I think that is something really worth being excited about and worth sharing. Now, we also understand that upadacitinib and dupilumab have been studied in a head-to-head trial. And here, when we call attention to the very early time points, in particular week one and week two, we can see that upadacitinib demonstrated superior itch improvement compared to dupilumab. And I think that's remarkable to have that kind of rapidity of an effect that's measurable against an important active comparator. We know that abracitinib has also been studied for moderate to severe atopic dermatitis and has similarly robust data. Here we're looking at Jade Mono 1 and Jade Mono 2, and we can see a nice dose response curve in the starting dose, 100 milligram, and the higher dose, the escalating dose of 200 milligrams. And they actually have nice data showing itch reduction occurring within a single day with rapid reduction in atopic dermatitis severity. So for me as a clinician, this has actually shifted the time course that I'm thinking about for getting a patient better. And abracitinib has also been studied against dupilumab as an active comparator. And again, I think we can say that at least the 200 milligram dose, the higher dose of abracitinib, was superior to dupilumab with respect to itch response at week two. So again, this very rapid effect changing the narrative, I think, and altering the treat to target for at least some patients. So we got a sense of where we're at in terms of clinical efficacy, the rapidity, the durability, and the robustness of the response. And now I'd really like to move forward to the safety because this is the third leg of the stool, so to speak, and something that's very important for us to understand so we can better guide our patients. There are some important adverse events that have been reported with the JAK inhibitor class. Among study patients who received upadacitinib for moderate to severe atopic dermatitis, the most common adverse events included acne, upper respiratory tract infection, nasopharyngitis, and headache, all of which occurred at a slightly higher rate with the 30 mg dose compared with the 15 mg dose. With abracitinib, nausea is more prevalent and occurs at a higher rate with the 200 mg dose. However, similar to upadacitinib, we also see nasopharyngitis, headache, and upper respiratory tract infection. When looking at the long-term safety for both abracitinib and upadacitinib, we see very similar adverse events as with the 12 and 16-week data. For patients who were maintained on the 30 milligram dose of upadacitinib, acne occurred at a rate of over 55 events per 100 patient years versus about 33 events per 100 patient years with the 15 milligram dose. Similarly, with abracitinib, the investigators reported a dose-dependent increase in the percentage of patients experiencing nausea around 15% in the 200 milligram group compared with 6% with the 100 milligram dose. The great news is that both JAK inhibitors have demonstrated a manageable longer-term safety profile for our patients with more severe atopic dermatitis. Serious events such as herpes zoster, serious infections, hepatic disorders, and non-melanoma skin cancers are concerns for our patients taking JAK inhibitors. These are risks seen throughout this class of agents. With both abracitinib and upadacitinib, we saw evidence of non-melanoma skin cancer occurring in a few patients, with a slightly higher number seen in the higher dose groups in both instances. Adjudicated adverse effects such as MACE and VTE, major adverse cardiovascular events, and venous thromboembolism, were reported infrequently in both the upadacitinib and the abracitinib groups. It's important to consider these adverse events, however. 
choosing the appropriate dose can help us determine which patients with moderate to severe atopic dermatitis will benefit the most from these new therapies. We know there are some important contraindications for starting a JAK inhibitor, things like severe hepatic impairment, active infection, pregnancy or breastfeeding, a family or personal history of venous thromboembolism, severe obesity, or hypersensitivity to the active ingredient or any of the excipients. So I think there are some important safety issues we have to make sure we discuss thoroughly with our patients when we think about starting a JAK inhibitor. That said, the long-term safety data looks good, and serious adverse events are rare but may require some additional monitoring, which I'll speak more about in the next session. I'd like to now move into our next session, which is about managing some of the adverse events that may come up. We know that it's important to do good monitoring. Our initial monitoring of these patients, and again, this is based largely on the prescribing information and given what we understand about the medications from the phase trials, we know that we want to do a TB test at baseline to make sure they don't have latent TB, hepatitis. Some patients may be good candidates for doing HIV testing. I actually do that, but I've had other clinicians say maybe only in higher risk patients. CBC with differential, metabolic panel, and a fasting lipid panel. I think those are very good things to do at baseline and probably annually. And then at four-week mark, I think it's probably reasonable to check our CBC, metabolic panel, and lipids. And then we can consider going every three to four months after that, particularly with hepatocyte inhibits recommended to do another lipid monitoring at the very least at week 12. So I usually do that, that week 12 or month three point, because really what we're looking for is changes in hepatic, kidney, bone marrow function, presence of infections, and the lipid profile, because there have been some patients who develop hyperlipidemia while on a JAK inhibitor. There are some things that we can do to be proactive about maximizing our safety on an oral JAK inhibitor. For minor infections, we of course want to treat immediately. We would consider taking a break if it were more serious. For HSV infections, we might consider prophylaxis if somebody has a history of them. For anemia, again, we're going to be following that. We're going to be counseling and doing therapeutic guidance on GI upset and acne. And of course, for the major adverse events, we're going to be really vigilant for those and telling our patients what to look out for. Of course, comprehensive care remains at the cornerstone of atopic dermatitis management. We know we have to do these no matter what severity they are. From the mildest patient to the most severe, we want to make sure we're doing gentle skin care, good education, and really avoiding known triggers so we can maximize all of those things to help maximize therapeutic success. In our next session, I want to move to thinking about optimizing our patient selection for who might be a good candidate for our novel JAK inhibitors. So now that we've heard a little bit about monitoring and how we can keep a close eye on these patients, I want to move to thinking about optimizing our patient selection for our novel JAK inhibitors. And we know about some of the benefits, oral dosing, flexible dosing, to be able to have two doses if somebody's not doing well at the lower dose, rapid itch relief, effective even in biologic non-responders. And what's remarkable is we've seen the durability of this effect as well. One of the things that I think is so important is to make a shared decision-making decision with our patients to go through that process. And one of the things I like to use is my abbreviation EAST. E is for efficacy, A for accessibility, S is for safety, T is for tolerability. There's just a way that I can make sure I've talked about all of these things. And I think they're all really important, especially from a patient perspective. I want them not only to be okay with it, I want them ideally to be excited about the new treatment because I honestly believe it leads to better outcomes. So one of the things that comes up a lot is when to use the different agents and when to switch. 
For me, what I'm looking for is trying to find the right balance between safety and efficacy using that EAST approach. Of course, some of these medicines are indicated in lower age groups than others, so there may be some limitations about what we can use on label for our patients. However, I think biologics are probably going to remain for most patients the first line of a systemic therapy because of the balance between safety and efficacy. And for the patients that either have not improved with them, have not improved enough, or they're having some safety or tolerability issues that make them come off, I think those are the slam dunk patients for starting an oral JAK inhibitor. One of my pearls is to remember that a lot of the patients, when you ask them how they're doing, they say, I'm okay. But what I found is asking some structured questions. And my favorite tool is the atopic dermatitis control tool or ADCT. I've had some patients really crumble and fall apart when I've asked those questions because they said, you know what? I thought I was doing well, but I am not. A point estimation can also be deceiving. A patient could be having a pretty good day when they come and see you. We don't want to misdiagnose or lower that severity falsely. We want to get a holistic sense of where they are. So all of these pieces together, I think, can tell us who might need an escalation of therapy. I think that this is really an important time in atopic dermatitis. We have an embarrassment of riches for some incredibly new treatment modalities that are going to help many, many patients. And our job really is to help get the right medication and the right overall therapeutic approach to the right patient. And in so doing, I think we can take better care of our patients than ever before. Thank you so much for your attention. I hope you enjoyed it. Thank you for listening. Please visit the activity URL in the episode description to view all program materials, complete the post-test, and get a certificate.